Amen. Amen. And that's good news. That is good news today, right? That he is risen, and he is risen indeed. And that's why we're here to celebrate. Hey, listen, the resurrection is not fake news, y'all. It's real. It's real. The stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty that day. He is not here, the angel said. He said he is risen, just like he said. He says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Some doubted then. Some doubt right now. Some shouted then. Some should shout right now, right? We should be excited about the fact that he has risen. We celebrate this morning because of this fact that because of this resurrection, we have hope not only for today, but we have hope for tomorrow. Every funeral that I've ever done, when I know the person loved Jesus and followed Jesus, that there is hope in that moment. And it's hard and it's sad, but it's glorious and it's beautiful all at the same time. And so I want to just encourage you with that thought today. The tomb is still empty today, by the way. Did you know that? Still empty today, and that's not an April Fool's joke. Sorry, I had to do that at least once. The weather, on the other hand, might be an April Fool's joke like, maybe we'll walk outside and it'll be sunny and 50 degrees like it should be. I don't know. We are going to do the Easter egg hunt, kids, all right? You're, we're excited for you. The eggs are there. The candy will be cold, but that's okay. And a couple of years ago, it was melted by the time we got out there. But we're going to make it happen. Listen, the resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone to a worldview that provides proper perspective to every area of life. Okay. I don't know if that's tweetable or not, but it's proper perspective of every area of life. So glad you're here today. I want to encourage you um, with that offering envelope and with the, uh, the, thing, the attendance sheet she was talking about. If you have a prayer request, anything that you just want us to know about, please fill that out on the back. And when you leave today, there'll be baskets at the doors and just drop it in the basket. That's all you have to do. Like kids are going to go put eggs in the basket. We're going to be collecting your information as you're leaving in our baskets today, all right? So make sure you do that, and we would, uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. So here's a quote that I ran across as I was reading my Bible this week, and just I was reading and all the different stories of the, or the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. In one of the study notes, it says, We are not fighting for a dead man's cause. We have a living and reigning king. Listen, if Jesus is just dead and that's it, then why are we even here? I mean, really, what's the point? I mean, we're just, we're just kind of like taking up space and burning some electricity here at the, at the Platte County High School. But we are living for, or we have a living, reigning king. I love what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, our faith is worthless. He also said, if we have put our hope in Christ for this life alone... We should be pitied more than anyone else. Like if there's not more to this life than just this life, right? That there's something bigger and better and greater. Something that's going to last a lot longer than the short time that we have here on earth. The best most of us could offer is 70 years. Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, depending. And then there's eternity. Eternity that's going to last forever and ever and ever. But Jesus, it said, is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. There's a song that's become, started to become popular. It's on the radio now. Maybe it's on K-Love. It's called So Will I. Have you, anybody heard that song, So Will I? It's a, it's a great song, so you can check it out. There's a line in the song that says, If you left the grave behind, left behind you, so will I. 
So that's the promise of following Jesus. If Jesus conquered death, we will conquer death. If Jesus didn't stay in the grave, we will not stay in the grave. It'll be just like that, and we will be resurrected someday because of our hope and faith in Jesus Christ. And that's good news today, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus' followers started to proclaim this truth about the resurrection from the moment that they experienced it. And isn't this incredible thought? They started talking about the resurrection from that moment on, and that message somehow, some way, has got to you today. You've heard about it at least some point before you got here this morning would be my guess. And if you haven't heard about it, you're going to hear about it. And so you can say, that message that started then traveled all the way to me. Just like somehow you heard about this church. Somehow somebody invited you to this church. Somehow you came this morning. I was asking a couple I just met this morning. I said, hey, you're interested. How'd you find out about it? It says, Google. So Mr. Google or Mrs. Google or both, whoever you are, thank you. You know, thank you for um, advertising for us. We appreciate that. There's really still no better, op, uh, better way to get into church by, than by a personal invitation, right? I mean, when someone invites you personally and encourages you to come. So just real quick, raise your hand if you got invited personally by someone to come to church this morning. It's like somebody, maybe your wife or your uncle, aunt, somebody invited you to church. All right? Good deal. Good job. Way to go. Keep it up. Keep inviting. Keep inviting. So, Jesus' followers, they started proclaiming this truth. It was a truth that they were willing to live for. It was a truth that they were willing to die for. Do you know anything that true that you're willing to give your life for it? Your love for your, your family, I would guess, right? For the most part, your love for your family, you're willing to give. I, I know Tony loves Casey, loves his kids. And I think Tony would be willing to say, if it was me or them, pick me anytime. But is there a truth that you know other than your love for your family you'd be willing to die for? Okay, hopefully it is the truth of the resurrection that you would say, I would be willing to give my life for that truth. And you see in the early followers in the early church, they were willing to do so, including the Apostle Paul. Has anybody seen the Apostle Paul movie? Yeah, if, if, it's a little slow. It's not, if you want action, go see Mission Impossible. But if you want to see truth, all right, go see the Apostle Paul. Because there's so much in it. And so it's just a really good um, way to be re reminded of what it is Paul lived for. I want you to turn. Okay, two places we're going to turn in your Bible today, okay? Two places. Have you brought a Bible with you? First, First Corinthians chapter 15. So why don't you turn there now? Okay, and then you can mark and put your finger in whatever you want to do in John chapter 20, okay? John 20 is the story, obviously, of the, of the resurrection, it is Easter, you know, got to go with the normal, go with the regular thing, you know, but it's a powerful message it preaches to this day. And so go ahead and do that. By the way, if you are new to our church and you're a visitor today, don't get used to the tie. Okay, if you like the tie, great, don't get used to it, all right, because it won't be here next week. All right, it makes an appearance every once in a while. Usually when I'm dressed like this, somebody's getting married or buried, okay? We're talking about someone who was buried and who's not anymore, so that's why I'm wearing the tie. But I like to dress up. I got nice clothes, so you might as well. This is a thrift store shirt, man. Four fifty, all right. Four fifty. My my daughter's waving me on. She says, "Keep it going, Dad. We got we got things to do. Just keep it going." Hey, but I'm I'm not too proud. I'm not too proud to beg. All right. I didn't even beg. I handed them the money. They gave me the shirt. It was awesome. So <laughs> this is a great. I don't know. I love my job. It's not even really like a job. It's like. It's a calling, but um bump. 
just like the name of the church. There we go. Now you know how we got it. <laughs> no secrets here at the Calling Community Church. All right, are we ready? Are we ready, Emma? Are you ready? Do you have it? Good. Just making sure. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at the very, very first of this, of this chapter. And it says, resurrection, essential to the gospel. Okay, the gospel is good news. It's the good news about Jesus. The resurrection is essential to it. It's necessary. You can't have, it, you can't have good news without it. Okay? So listen to what Paul says. He says, now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you've believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received. So he received it, now he's giving it away. Okay? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and then he appeared to Cephas, all right, Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, still alive at the writing of this, still alive at the reading of this in the beginning. But some have fallen asleep. Now remember, Jesus was the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. He was the first one resurrected. There'll be others behind him. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, Paul says, he also appeared to me. So Paul had a one-on-one opportunity to see Jesus face-to-face, to interact with him, to be encountered by Jesus. Okay, so I want you to think about that. Paul believes because Paul had an experience with Jesus. Paul saw him before and after the resurrection. Paul knew when Jesus was being crucified, right? Paul knew also after Jesus had resurrected. So Paul had a one-on-one experience. Now, some of you would say, Brady, I've been praying that my whole life, that I just have this encounter with Jesus just a face-to-face encounter. Some of you even doubt today, and you think, if I just had that experience, I would believe. Like, if Jesus would just come to me and make himself real to me, I would believe. All right? Think about that. Hold on to that thought. Just hold on to that thought. So we're going to just unpack this a little bit, and I'm going to unpack three things that Paul said. Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. All right? Those three things we're going to talk about this morning. So the first one is Christ died for our sins. It's a truth. That's why Jesus died. Not for any other reason. He died because there was a a debt that needed to be paid. Somebody had to pay it. And there was only one person that could afford to pay it, and that was Jesus. Okay, that's the gospel. Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 through 6. It's talking about Jesus. It said, Yet he himself, Jesus, bore our sicknesses, and he carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he, Jesus, was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punished, the punishment for our peace was on him. Did you get that? Punishment for our peace was on Jesus. Not on us, but it was on Jesus. And we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We've all turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's good news. He punished him for our sin. 
Okay, some of you kids are thinking, man, that would be a good deal if my parents would punish my brother for my wrongdoings. That would be awesome. I can't wait for that day. Maybe it's happened sometimes because you tricked your parents into thinking it was them and not you. And you're thinking, yes, he got punished and I didn't. I started it. Ha, they finished it. It was awesome. Maybe that's happened before. Here's what the truth of Scripture says. We have all sinned, right? We all fall short of God's glory. And the wages of our sin should naturally be death. It's truth. It's reality. And we know we look in the mirror and we're like, yeah, that's me. Oh my, oh me. Because we've all sinned, every single one of us. By nature, the Bible says we are objects of wrath. We deserve to die. We were guilty. We were Barabbas. You guys knew who Barabbas is in the story, in the, in the, the crucifixion story? Barabbas is the guy who was an insurrectionist. He was the guy who was a thief and a criminal and a murderer. Barabbas was guilty. Everybody knew he was guilty. Can you imagine Barabbas that day? Barabbas is in his cell. He's like thinking about when they're gonna just when it's gonna be my turn. They're gonna crucify me. I'm gonna die. He's probably thinking to himself, I'm gonna die because I deserve to, because I'm wrong, because I was I got caught. And then Pilate says, who do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, because that was the custom. We're gonna release one prisoner on that time of, of year. We'll give you one. Do you want Jesus, who you accuse of all these things, who was not really found guilty for anything, or Barabbas, who we know is guilty? Who do you want? And the people cried out, Barabbas. That's you and me. We're him. We're sitting in the cell, guilty. And someone comes and takes a key and unlocks it and says, hey, apparently... uh, there's a mix-up in the paperwork or whatever it is. Uh, it, you can go free now. Do you know what that's called? That's called, it's not luck. It's called grace. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. And he did not deserve it. And because of the fact that we've all sinned, nor do we. Nor do we. But because, it says, of God's great love for us, while we were still sinning, while we were still in the cell, Christ died for us in order so that we would be free. He willingly, it says, gave his life so that we might live. Nobody took Jesus' life from him. I was having a conversation this week. It's funny. I looked at my sermon last year, and then I was having a conversation a year ago with a young lady at the YMCA, and she was asking about Christianity. She was asking about church, and it was right before Easter, and I was really hoping that she would come to church, and she didn't. She didn't come that day, and I was a little disappointed disappointed. But you know what? Just recently, this young lady has gone to her first Christian concert ever. She has started coming to Bible study, and she's been to church. Listen, real quick, God is patient with you, but don't wait too long to respond when he's calling you. And I looked at that, and I thought, wow, that's incredible. Like, she didn't come that day, but now she's connected, and now she's getting involved. She's, getting, um, she's giving her life to Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. So I was having another conversation just a couple days ago with another young man uh, in the hot tub. There's a lot of holy conversations going on in the hot tub. Um, just saying, all right? It's like the pool of Bethesda, you know? It's like the water's rushing around. People are getting healed. And we were talking to this guy. And he said, you know, it's, it's a common story. You know, I believe in a higher power, but I'm not so sure about the whole Jesus thing. I'm not so sure. I think part of it is, is we're afraid to come underneath the accountability that comes with belief. 
Like when we do acknowledge, when we choose to believe, then we realize something greater is going to be called of us. Something greater is going to be asked of us. You know, I want to believe, and, and here's this guy's argument. I want to believe that I've been good enough, that I've been just good enough, that there's no way a loving God's going to not see that and let me in. Don't believe that lie for a minute, ladies and gentlemen, not even a second. Because that is a great lie of the enemy. Yeah, just be good. Be good. Be better than the person next to you. That's all you have to do. Depending on who you're sitting next to, the bar could be really, really high. <laughs> or the bar could be really, really low. <laughs> but we don't need to look to the person next to us. We need to look to the one who paid the price for our sin. And that is Jesus. It says nobody took Jesus' life for him. He gave it willingly. Because that's what love does, Right? He knew no sin, and he became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. That was the great exchange, death for life. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross satisfied the wrath of God. Debt canceled, paid in full, and when that transaction was complete, this is what Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And then he died. Really died. Heart stopped beating, blood poured out, soldier came up, pierced his side just to make sure. The water and blood flowed out of his body. He was completely dead. And then they did the next thing that you're supposed to do with someone that's completely dead. They buried him. They buried him in a tomb. They laid him in a tomb. So, all right, John chapter 20. Let's go there. Our goal is to get done at a good time. So we can respond to what it is God's speaking to us about this morning. We can go and celebrate together. But I want to read the scripture to you because it's God's word and it's powerful and it's better than anything that I could say with my own mouth. So John chapter 20, and let's just back up just a little bit and let's look at uh, verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 38. Okay? So bear with me. I'm going to read. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture, but I think it tells the story. I think it's, it's, it's good. And I've timed myself. It only takes about four minutes, okay? You got four minutes? Are you with me? Okay, everybody with me? John chapter 19, verse 38. After his side was pierced, after he was dead, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because of the fear of the Jews, Asked Pilate that he might remove Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took his body away. Nicodemus, who had previously come to Jesus at night, also came bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. They took Jesus' body, wrapped it in linen cloths with fragrant spices, according to the burial custom of the Jews. There was a garden in the place where he was crucified. A new tomb was in the garden. No one had been placed in it yet. They placed Jesus there because of the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby. On the first day of the week, okay, Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. You know Mary Magdalene? She was this woman who was a lot like Barabbas. She was guilty. She was not a very good woman. She was not a very good person by by the worldly standards. 
And Jesus had loved her and set her free. She came to the tomb while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Don't you want to be that guy? <laughs> I'm the one Jesus loved. The rest of him he liked, but, the, but me he loved. <laughs> and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. It's probably because Peter was a little bit older. It would be my guess. I'll give a guy a break. And he got, the tomb, he got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came, but Peter went ahead and entered the tomb and saw the linen cloth lying there. The wrapping that had been laid on his head was not lying with the linen cloth, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first then also went in and saw, listen to this, he saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. So he believed at that particular moment that Jesus obviously wasn't there. <laughs> like the story that Jesus was gone was true. But there's still another level of belief that he was going to find himself coming to. And listen, all of us here in this room, we're at a different place in our belief. Some of you are so committed. Some of you are so far in. You're so convinced by the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Nothing can keep you away from that truth. There's others who say, I'm, 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 I'm curious, Brady. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced, but I'm not quite sure yet. I'm almost there. And there's some of us who might say, you know what? I'm just kind of on the outside looking in. and I'm not, I just want to see some more evidence. I had a guy tell me just recently, well, I'm from Missouri. It's a show-me state. God needs to show me. God needs to show me. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stood up, looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told him, and I don't know where they put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you are seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where they put him, and I will take him away. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. And turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, don't cling to me. Can you imagine? She just like jumped on, just grabbed Jesus, wrapped her arms around him. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I'm ascending to the Father, to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he said to tell them, or what he had said to her. So when it was evening, okay, so here we go, We're moving on, it's evening now, it was, was, that was in the morning, think about all the stuff that had gone on all day long, all the rumors, all the stuff, it started to go viral, this news about Jesus' resurrection. When it was evening on the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they, were, they feared the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. 
After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger in the mark of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will never believe it. A week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came, stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. I want you to hear this, this next line. This is for you and me, ladies and gentlemen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs, it says, in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The world's way is show me and I will believe. Give me evidence. Give me something more. Give me some, give me some proof. Prove to me that God, is, God exists and he's real and that Jesus existed and that he died for my sin, that he rose again from the Prove to me and then I'll believe it. That's the world's way. But you know what God, Christ's way is? Listen to this. This is Jesus' way. If you will believe, then you will see. If you want to see proof then you must have faith. If you want to see the evidence of God working in your life, then it must require faith from you. I mean, Mary needed to hear her name before she believed that it was Jesus. Thomas, he needed to see it and touch it and feel it and taste it and smell it. I don't know. But some of us were still wanting all this proof and all this evidence when Jesus is saying, all you've got to do is believe, and when you do, I will show myself to you. Listen, if you want God to reveal himself to you in a powerful way, in a personal way that makes sense to you in a unique way, then you've got to believe. You've got to put your hope and faith and trust in him. You have to reach out and say, even though I don't see it, because scripture says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. There's a blessing for us when we put our faith in him. You know, for the, for the disciples, man, it was great that they were able to see Jesus and it made sense to them. And yeah, they believed and they died for their faith. But now it says, we, even though we haven't seen it with our own eyes, when we trust in him, there's a blessing in that, ladies and gentlemen. There's a bigger blessing in that than anything else this world has to offer. And some of you are committed to that. Some of you are convinced by that. Some of you are still curious by that. Before Jesus got to the cross, Jesus interrupted the grieving process of a good friend of his named Lazarus. And so while Jesus was on the way to the cross, they, they called him and said, hey, Lazarus has died, and would you come? And Jesus got there late, and they were frustrated that Jesus didn't show up on time, and Jesus got there four days later. And Jesus says, you know you're going to see Lazarus again, right? Oh, yeah, 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 Martha said, I know I'm going to see him again at the resurrection. We believe that. We know that he's going to be raised from the dead. Someday we'll see him. And then this is what Jesus said. 
Very famous, very powerful words. Jesus said this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. Do you hear it? The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, here's the deal. Um, Adam was born, Adam died, right? And that kind of set a standard and a pattern for the rest of mankind. You were born, you're breathing right now. Guess what? Someday you're going to die. Did you know that? I'm not saying that to, to, to bring, it, bring you down and to, to make you depressed or whatever. It's just the reality. It's the truth. And I know the older I get, the closer I get there. I'm halfway there at least on the downhill slide. <laughs> and I know someday I'm going to die. But Jesus says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. So that gives me some hope. It makes things a little bit better. It makes me, makes me um, be able to live. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. <laughs> because he lives, all fear is gone. I don't have to be worried about that day. I don't want it to come today. But if it does, I'm ready. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then here's the question, ladies and gentlemen. Listen. Do you believe this? Do you, I want you to look at yourself, I want you to point, take your finger, I want you to point at yourself and say, do you believe this? Not does Brady believe this, not does my wife believe this or my kids believe this. Man, sometimes it's our kids that lead us and we're trying to catch up with them. Don't let that happen. You lead your children. You share this truth with them. You model this faith for them. Let them see it in you. Let your children know that you know. So that when the day that is that you die, your children will sit at your funeral and they'll have hope. And they won't have to grieve without it. Do you believe this? And that is the key. That is the crux of this. This whole message is the reality is whether we believe this or not. And what do you need to believe? Jesus says, I've already done it. I've already shown you. Everything that I can show to you, I've conquered death. I've defeated death. I've defeated the last enemy of all mankind, and that's death. There's nothing else you have to fear because I've defeated it for you. This morning, don't just be amazed by the story of the resurrected Jesus. Don't just say, oh, that's a great story. So powerful. Thank you, Jesus. Believe in him and be saved. You will never be able to walk out of this room and ever say, nobody ever told me about Jesus. Man, if somebody would just told me about him, if somebody would have told me that Christ died for my sin, if somebody would have told me he was buried dead, but he rose again and conquered death and defeated it. Man, if I would have known that, man, I would have, I would have lived for that. I would have followed him if I would just would have known that. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, unless you're just not listening to me and your ears are completely shut off, you've heard it today. And that's the best I can offer you. It's the best I can do as a pastor is offer you this truth that changes everything. Don't just be amazed by the story. Believe in him and be saved. Follow him. And be changed. So, my friend Brady Rogers, who's a passionate, committed follower of Jesus, has 
the Lord's touched his heart this morning. And um, the worship team's going to come. Brady's not going to preach another message to you, but he's going he's to offer you an opportunity. And as the worship team starts to play and as Brady starts to speak, respond accordingly. A few days, about a week and a half ago, I was with my family in, in Cambridge, England. And I happened to be sitting next to a couple that was having a heated debate there in the hotel and the man was actually a scientist and he was an atheist and his wife was a woman of faith and he said a lot of things very loudly he said a lot of things that might offend several of you in this room he said a lot of things that most of you in this room have thought of at some point in your life or maybe you're thinking about them today and just like Brady talked about the show me state he kept talking about, well, if I see proof, if I see proof, as a scientist, what I believe is that there exists a gene in, 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 people, in the weaker-minded, people who, who have to cling to faith to believe in their existence, I believe that there's a gene that allows them to, you know, and frankly, I wish I did because my brother, that, he was having this debate with his wife, and at the very end of the debate, she said, well, I just wish that you could have a few minutes to sit down and talk to a priest and have some of your questions answered. And he said, well, if one would be here, I'd be glad to talk to him. So I took that cue, and I got up, and I introduced myself, and we talked for almost an hour. We talked for almost an hour. And in the end, he admitted, and, and here, here, was my, here was my last reasoning with him, and I'll tell you this. So that was about a week and a half we were in Cambridge, this ancient city that for over a thousand years has been preparing the hearts and minds of people. It's one of the centers of education in the world and has been for over a thousand years. Just a few days ago, we were in Dublin, Ireland, standing in Christ Church Cathedral, which the first stones for that cathedral were laid in 1030 A.D., by actually a Viking king who was a convert. And so standing there in this cathedral, the main room of the cathedral would have been about this tall, maybe even taller, hand-laid stones, hand-cut columns. As a man who works in the equipment business, I revel, it's, it's, it's a marvel to me to see that intricate work done over a thousand years ago by hand. It would be irrational, illogical to, even though you can't see the people who built that because they lived a thousand years ago, even though you can't see, it would be irrational and illogical to think that that structure just existed on its own, that it didn't have a builder, an architect, hands that made it happen, correct? You can't look at a beautiful painting on a wall and not admit that there's an artist that made that painting. And this was my argument with this scientist. If you, those are rational evidences, correct? Well, of course. Well, in the same way, you cannot look at the human body, all the intricacies of the human body, and believe 
that there wasn't a creator that created the human body. And then he proceeded to tell me how smart he was by telling me about, oh, you're right, and about the human eye and all the details of the human eye. And in the, in the end, he conceded, you're right. I can't believe that the human body, as complex as it is, if, if, if a painting had an artist, if a building had a builder, the human body must have a creator. And maybe you're here in this room today, and that has been a struggle to believe does God really exist. And like Brady said, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then a few minutes later, he went down the street and he raised Lazarus from the dead just to prove his point. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. There is no way to the Father except through me. That is what he said. And as Brady mentioned earlier, after he was crucified, a few days later he came back and presented himself to his dozen apostles. He presented himself to over 500 people. It's recorded. It's true. And I stand before you today as someone who also has witnessed many miracles of Christ. I stand before you today to say that Jesus is alive and Jesus is real. Jonah, thousands of years ago, knew that about Christ. Jonah, Jonah was called to go to Nineveh and preach a message of repentance to a wicked and evil people. And he didn't want to. He said... For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. That's God. Abounding in love, gracious, compassionate, merciful. But he said, if you don't confess him before men, he will not confess you before his Father in heaven. So my question is this. Is there someone in here today who has never had the opportunity to confess Christ before men. If you are sitting in the seat and what I just said stirs you, I would encourage you to come forward. Come forward and show your faith before men. Confess Christ as your Savior before men, before it is too late. Because tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. I'm going to open up the altar here very briefly. Just for a brief moment, if you have never given your life to Christ, if you have never confessed him as your Savior before others, I want to give you a quick opportunity to do that. Please come forward. Don't hesitate.